Chapter 26 Prayer for Young Men The Reasons for It Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. 2 Kings 6 17. The first reason for our prayer is because we ourselves have been made to see. If this miracle of grace had not taken place within us, we would have had no thought of prayer for you, but now our whole heart goes with the plea. Once we were as you are. Our eyes were once blinded, so that we saw neither our enemies in all their dread, nor the glory of the Lord round about us. Like blind Samson's, we went through the weary drudgery of earth surrounded by our enemies. At last a glimmering of the light fell upon us like a lightning flash, showing us our sin. After the light shined upon us, we endured a great fight of afflictions. Without were fightings, within were fears. 2 Corinthians 7 5. Our enemies were round about us, and we didn't know what to do. But some man of God prayed for us, and one day our eyes were turned toward the hills from where comes all aid to terror stricken men. Psalm 121 1. The Lord was there, although we did not know him. Still, we looked to him and were enlightened, and our faces were not ashamed. Psalm 34 5. For round about him the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Scripture For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 6. We also call upon the Lord because only by his power can people be made to see. We found this to be true in our own experience. We struggled in vain to behold the salvation of God. We sought in vain the help of godly people. No sight came to our souls, nor were the eyes of our understanding enlightened. Ephesians 1:18. Until the Lord Himself washed our eyes in the waters that go softly. Isaiah 8, 6. Then we came seeing. We also see this when we try to lead others to the light. We speak to them of the glories we ourselves behold, and we set before them the truth of God, but we cannot make them see. To bestow spiritual vision is as great a wonder as to make a world, and it requires the same decree of omnipotence. Only he who created the eye can give this second sight. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? John 9.32 what absurdity, then, to attempt the greater task of bestowing the sight of the heart! How vain is the boast of those who attempt to invade God's prerogative and imagine that human ordinances or rituals can open blind eyes! After we have done our best to make the people see the glory of the gospel, let us ever fall back on the God of the gospel and plead with Him to do His own blessed work. Do not try to hold up your wax candles to reveal the chariots of fire, nor parade your vain philosophy as if that could clear away the darkness of the soul. Leave room for God to work, 
and, in a moment, at the touch of His finger, in response to the prayers of His people, the wondrous work will be accomplished. We pray most urgently when we see the people inquiring. The cry, What shall we do? sends us to our knees, for we know that what is necessary is not something to be done, but something to be seen. We feel convinced that the Lord who awoke the desires in the hearts of the seekers will also certainly open their eyes to behold His glory. The very fact that we feel drawn to pray for them is already a token to us that before long the scales will fall from their eyes, and through their vision of the splendor and sufficiency of the provision that God has made for those who trust in Him, the name of the Lord will be greatly glorified. Therefore, with much expectancy, we again utter our prayer, Lord, open their eyes so that they may see. Another reason for this prayer is that you are not aware of your own blindness. You are trusting in yourselves that you can see well enough all that you need to see. That young man of whom I am now thinking has no idea whatsoever that his eyes are completely blind to eternal things. He thinks of himself as a sharp and clever fellow, and I don't deny that he is so in his own line of things. I am glad that he has such bright abilities for this life. May God bless him, and may he prosper in his business and in the enterprise upon which he is just entering. May the Lord be with him concerning the matter on which his heart is set. Still, though, I am rather afraid of your cleverness. I am somewhat frightened at that sharpness of yours, because I have seen sharp men cut themselves, and I have seen some who are self-reliant become miserable failures. Something is to be said for confidence in its proper place, but self-congratulation is a proof of inward weakness, and it foretells a breakdown. If you are depending on an arm of flesh, at the very best you are resting on a broken reed. You require strength beyond your own to fight the moral and spiritual battle of life. In this case, your self-reliance is a piece of groundless self-conceit. Remember Hazael, who, when he was forewarned of what he would do, exclaimed in astonishment, Is thy servant a dog, that he should do this great thing? 2 Kings 8.13. Hazael could not think of himself as capable of such crimes, yet he no sooner had the opportunity than he fell into the evil up to his very neck. He was dog enough to be cruel, for he was dog enough to flatter himself. Young man, you don't believe that you will ever be dishonest, yet that little gambling venture of yours will lead to it. You can't think that you will ever be godless, yet you are even now departing from the good old ways of your home and are mocking sacred things when in certain company. Those who trust in themselves are storing up the fuel for a great fire of sin. The pride that lifts itself up will throw itself down. Because the fine young fellow does not know how blind he is, we therefore lament his blindness, and we are even more earnest in bringing him to Jesus so that he may receive his sight. Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Next, we pray this prayer because we have reason to fear that you are surrounded by people who will mislead you. We know the young man well. He has come to London from that sober, orderly country home, 
and he has no idea of the snares that will be laid for him by both male and female. Oh, you who have no experience and little discretion, hear the voice of warning. Satan has shrewd servants around him who hunt for the precious life with double diligence. Our Lord Jesus has servants around him who too often slumber, but the devil's servants are not slothful in their dreadful business. They will ambush you in the streets outside and will gather around you in the houses of pleasure within. They are everywhere, and they leave no stone unturned as they try to entrap the unwary. What if this blind young man is placed in the midst of all these predators? They will devour him if they can. What if he is left to be their victim? It is like turning out a sheep among a pack of wolves. Lord, open the eyes of the young man so that he may see. We pray this prayer for some of you because you are going away from those who have until now watched over you, and this is a dangerous change for you. Your mother, we can never tell what a blessing a godly mother is to a young man. Your mother parts from you with great concern. Will you ever forget her tender words? Our fathers are all very well. God bless them. A father's godly influence and earnest prayers are of untold value to his children. But the mothers are worth two of them, mostly as to the moral training and religious inclination of their sons and daughters. Well, you are going right away from your mother's holy influence and from your father's restraining admonitions. You will now have nobody to encourage you in the right way. You will miss your sister's holy kiss and your grandmother's loving persuasions. You are going out of the greenhouse into a night's frost. We may well pray concerning you that you may carry with you well-opened eyes to see your way and to look before you leap. The young man is now to walk alone. Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. If he doesn't look before he leaps, he will soon be in the ditch, and who will pull him out? We pray this prayer with even more pleasure because you will do so much good if your eyes are opened. What can a blind man do in the midst of such a world as this? He cannot help other travelers, for he has to seek help for himself. You want to give rather than to take, do you not? Some people have great abilities, and I want them to use them appropriately. I am convinced that I am speaking to young people whom God has ordained to be of great service to their age. That youth over there does not yet know what is in him. He's playing around. He's making a fool of himself. He's throwing his pearls before swine. He's wasting his strength. If the Lord would open his eyes, he would see what he's doing. What a man he would make if he were only right with God. Think of how Saul of Tarsus harassed the church of Christ, but when the scales fell from his eyes, the Lord had no better servant under heaven than that once furious persecutor. With both hands he diligently built up the church that he once labored to cast down. Scripture, the thing that has been, it is that which shall be. Ecclesiastes 1, 9. Pray, therefore, for our young men who have sinned, that they may be restored. Pray for those who are still ignorant, that they may be enlightened. The cause of God has need of these men, and in these the church will find her champions. 
Little do we know the wealth of comfort for the faithful that may lie in one young life. Certainly we should pile on our prayers and make our intercession flame like some great beacon light for the rising youth of our time. There is yet another reason that comes from the other side of the case. We should pray for the blinded one, since he made sin terribly, if not soon made to see. How capable of doing harm is a man who is blinded by ignorance, passion, greed, or any other form of sin? Who knows the capacities for evil that lie within a single soul? That once bright spirit, Satan, when he first thought of raising revolt against the God of heaven, it was perhaps a single momentary flash of rebellious thought. Before long, though, he had become proudly antagonistic to his Maker, and the dragon had drawn down with his tail a third part of the stairs of heaven to quench them in the eternal night of endless wickedness. Revelation 12 4. Then he came to this earth, corrupted paradise, and seduced our first parents from their happy innocence so that they became the progenitors of an unhappy race that was steeped up to their lips in sin. How filled with innumerable evils was that one first thought of sin! It's the same way with us. A boy, his mother's pride, to whom she looks forward as the honor of the family, may for a while appear to be everything that love can hope, but he falls into the hands of one of those tempters to unbelief who are so abundant in this great city. He is taught to pour ridicule upon his mother's piety, and soon he casts off the perceived shackles of his father's God. He forgets the sanctity of God's holy day, and he forsakes the house of prayer. Then he learns the way to the houses of strange women and to the palace of strong drink. He plunges into one sin after another until he is himself leading others down to the abyss. That boy who used to kneel at his mother's knee, say his childish prayer, and then stand up and sing of Jesus and his love, was fondly regarded as one who would honor Jesus in his life. But see him now. He staggers home after midnight, spewing profanity. He is wicked both in soul and in body, and those who love him best are saddest at the sight of him. If we don't want to see children or friends running to this excess of riot, 1 Peter 4 4, and sinking in this superfluity of naughtiness, James 1 21, let us in agony of spirit plead with God at once on their behalf. Oh, for an immediate entrance of the light into their souls! Lord, open their eyes so that they may see. Lord, cause them to back away from the beginnings of sin which are as the breaking out of the water floods. O Saviour, quench in them the spark of evil before it grows into a fire and rages to an inferno. We want people's eyes to be opened so that they may know first that spiritual forces really exist. The things that we see are not the only real things, nor even the most real things. The things that are seen are temporal. They are, in truth, only shadows of the unseen. The substantial realities are not seen by these poor eyes. The substance is only perceived by our true selves. All that is visible is the mere shadow. The very image of the things is out of sight. 
Faith teaches us to believe in the existence of the most glorious of all spirits, the great God, in whom we live and move and have our being. Acts 17:28. Faith reveals to the heart the existence of that divine and ever-cherished person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is at this hour with his church and will abide with her to the end of the world. Faith also makes us know the existence, power, and presence of the Holy Spirit, who dwells with believers and is in them, working out the eternal purpose of God in their sanctification. No knowledge is more marvelous than to know the Trinity in unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet one Jehovah. When we come to realize that the Lord God is the source of all things, that God hath made us and not we ourselves, Psalm 103, and that all things come into being by His sovereign will and power, then we come to recognize His presence, consult His will, and lean upon His might. God becomes real in our thought and understanding. Since He whom we cannot see nevertheless supports all things that are, we feel that the invisible is the basis of all things. Oh, that we could get people's minds out of these time-worn ruts of things seen, these narrow bounds of space, time, seeing, and touching! Oh, that they could rise into the region where the dim senses, which are bounded by so small a circle, would give place to awareness that knows the infinite, the eternal, the true, the divine! Oh, that the human mind, which was made in the image of God, could find itself at home with God, whose child he may become by a second birth of the living and incorruptible seed, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1.23